Good evening, brothers and sisters. How are you all today? Good. Mm. So, today is quite special because uh, I didn't bring the visualizer. <laughs> so, uh, sometimes when we get used to something, then we become reliant on it. Yeah. Uh, last time there were no visualizers in Dharma talks. You just have to listen, you know. Yeah. Uh, but admittedly, having the visualizer can help uh, convey the teachings, yeah, in a way, yeah, visually. Yeah, so today, let's try. So last week, we stopped at the seventh consciousness, yeah. How is your seventh consciousness? <laughs> what is the seventh consciousness? The seventh consciousness is basically the mind, the tainted mind. Yeah. So last week we stopped at page three. Yeah. Uh, the face uh, on the page where there's two and three on page three the side. Um, <coughs> we briefly touched on the three aspects uh, of the seventh uh, consciousness or the mana consciousness. Yeah. So here it uh, it it establishes uh, three different stages or three different phases. Yeah, where the the, this tainted mind or the seventh mana consciousness uh, has different mm, how should I put it has different uh, levels of uh, attachment in a way yeah? the seventh consciousness the, ma- the mind or tainted mind um, basically has this tendency to uh, towards attachment yeah it is the aspect of our mind that taints our interaction with the world. Um, from the Yogacara school, then uh, we say that as we, inter- as we interact with the world, um, the tainted mind or the seven consciousness uh, in a way corrupts what we perceive of the world. Yeah, and then through this tainting, and you can uh, consider the analogy of uh, tinted glass. Yeah, if you wear tinted glasses, then it will color whatever you see. Yeah, there's this funny story. So this uh, couple um, is in the you know at home, and then every Saturday afternoon, they will see the neighbor. put up some laundry. So one day the wife, no, okay, let's say it's the husband. Today is Sampa Funijie. Today is the woman's day. So we use the husband today. So the husband commented, ah, our new neighbors are very strange. They keep on putting up, you know, their laundry to hang, but their laundry is dirty. Yeah. So 
week after week the husband will comment about it and then one day one day the husband commented ah today the the neighbor has put up finally put up clean clothings and then the wife said no today I wiped the windows <laughs> so the glass the glass window yeah was actually dirty so every time he, he look out he see the linen that is put up the laundry that's put up by the neighbors and he said how come it's that's so strange huh, this neighbor always put up dirty laundry yeah. but actually it's the window that is soiled yeah, that is dirty uh, with the seven consciousness tainted then uh, we perceive this world through these colored lenses and then we we perceive there to be I, you, a person and a being mm. uh, we perceive that there is uh, tangible this and that mm. so we perceive gain and loss. And we perceive, and then from there we have joy towards gain and grief towards loss. We, and because of that, giving rise to desire for the gain, desire for potential gain, uh, fear and anxiety towards potential loss, yeah, sadness and uh, all kinds of suffering towards what we perceive as having been lost. Mm. Yeah, so in a way, um, the the yoga school is really about cleaning up the mind. Uh, mm. uh, but in this aspect, here, uh, I, can, I cannot point to you, huh? so you have to look at your text. But unfortunately, I know uh, I know that some of you are kantang, so <laughs> I don't know how you're going to figure out what I'm talking about. Uh, but you can see on this side. <laughs> Wait, okay, to, to make sure that you all can follow the class, how many of you are complete kantang? Like, completely kantang. Uh? So can you find, find a chai pao? <laughs> Can you find a, find someone who is not a kantang? <laughs> huh? Can find? Can uh? How about this side? I only see a few on this side. This side all okay? Yeah. In any case, if you are lost at any point in time, just point out to me, okay? Yeah, just try to remember when we when I put it up on the, the podcast, whoever is listening will be having a harder time. <laughs> they can only hear my voice. <laughs> Okay, so if you refer to this section here, then I will just continue from here and try to explain. Okay. So there's this, uh, also the seven consciousness here, it says that there are three phases. Yeah? Three phases or three aspects in a way. Yeah, where we already know that the seven consciousness is tainted. Yeah, but at different stage, then it's tainted with different degrees. Yeah, um, it is like it is like uh, when you are 
let's say uh, when we are children, when we are a child, uh, we are attached to toys. Then when we grow up, we are not attached to toys. Uh, or maybe some would say we are attached to different toys. <laughs> yeah, uh, But we would also have uh, maybe attachment to our partners. Uh, or for some, our work. Yeah, And then from there, from work, and attachment to maybe our our roles in the company. Yeah, that's an aspect of the attachment to work. And then once a person has set up the family, attachment to the family. Yeah. So at different aspects there may be different attachment to all this. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they may overlap. Okay? So let's take a look. So so if we look at the the ABC, then ah good thing that there's ABC ah. Wow. some of the more traditional uh, commentary they don't put ABC. They put Xia Yi Bing Ding Chou. Yeah. So A there's Ren Wo Jian Xiang Ying Wei. B Fa Wo Jian Xiang Ying Wei. C Ping Dan Xing Zhi Xiang Ying Wei. So um, I'm, I'm just reading the the title, the, the section title in brief. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to explain a few words here first. Xiang Ying, mm, Xiang Ying. Uh, simply put, Xiang Ying means uh, I uh, can you can say Xiang Ying means connected. Yeah, connected. Uh, there's another term that I sometimes use is resonate. Yeah. Uh, so meaning that then Wei means like stage or phase. So Ren Wo Jian Xiang Ying Wei. Why is Ren Wo Jian? So uh, the uh, the view of a self. Yeah. Put gala view. Uh, the attachment to the view that there's a self. So there's a stage in our life or maybe in our cultivation uh, progress where eh, we still have attachment to the self. Mm. Yeah, so this is the first stage. Yeah. Uh, so there's still the, the, the attachment to the ego and so on. Okay. Mm. So there are other stages in the uh, progression where this is removed. Mm. So the first stage, Ren Wo Jian Xiang Ying Wei, the stage where um, the mind is connected with this attachment. Yeah, is coupled with this attachment, connected with this attachment. Mm. Are you all at this stage? Are we at this stage? <laughs> we are at this stage, huh? Mm. So Uh, need, need some help? Anybody need some help? Any? Huh? Uh, connected to the to the attachment to a, a self. Yeah. To the view of a self. Yeah. So here the description. Uh, 
，有第七世原阿拉耶识升起我见。嗯 ，So let me explain this b a n The first line 就是在一切有漏心升起时。So 有漏，呃，有呃。So I I circle here. You cannot see. So those can't do. You must poke your partner to to point out what is the word 有漏。有漏 literally means 呃、uh, leaking. Yeah, that there is a leak. Leaking what? So there's a metaphor that、um, you can find inside the the text, where it is described. Now imagine if you have a pail and then there's water inside, and then there are holes in this pail. So what will happen?、Uh, water will leak out. Yeah, there'll be water leaking out. So in this case, it is a description of how if a person is unenlightened, then he will keep on pouring forth defilements. Yeah, and suffering. Yeah, so yolo basically means default. Yeah, default.、Mm. Yeah, so yolo ulo. So with lick or without lick. Ah,、huh. with lick or without lick. So enlightened ones have no licks. Ah,、uh, but ah、uh, here there's a something interesting. Yeah, until you are perfectly enlightened. Ah.、Uh, Sometimes you may have momentary lapses of leaking. Okay,、uh, so like first fruit swatapana, they are not completely enlightened yet. Yeah, in fact, they have only removed the three lower factors: sakya diti,、uh, attachment to、uh, the the wrong practices and rituals, or, or rather, attachment to rituals and wrong practices. Yeah, then doubt. Yeah, they only they have removed this. And when I say only, ah,、uh, it's with reference to arahanhood. <laughs> with reference to us, we cannot say only. <laughs> we say, wow, they have removed this tree. Yeah. So having removed this tree,、uh, they are able to、uh, overcome those defilements and suffering related to this. Yeah.、Uh, and even those other ones,、uh, the the remaining two,、uh, sensual desire. Hatred and ill will, yeah, it's not touched yet.、Mm, it's not touched yet. Yeah, but because the sakya diti, the personality view, yeah, identity view, has been removed, a lot of related greed and hatred、uh, can be subdued. <laughs> yeah,、uh, just you can just do a own reflection. How many times did we get upset because the I is involved? Yeah, how much conflict? Arises、uh, because I is involved, mine is involved.、Mm. Yeah, so for the first stage, enlightened one, this、uh, quite a huge chunk of all these problems is removed. Yeah, but、uh, it still have sensual desire. <laughs> yeah, such a person can still have sensual desire.、Uh, when I say can, I don't mean that he's allowed to or not allowed to.、Uh. No such thing as allowed or not allowed. It's just that this person may、uh, still give rise to sensual desire, may still give rise to hatred and ill will. Yeah. So this is the delineation that the Buddha has established. And if a person managed to work further, cultivates further, and reduce these two aspects, yeah, attenuate it, 
not remove it, but just attenuate, yeah, not suppress. Huh? So then this person is a uh, stage two. Uh, so tapana then sakatagami. And if the, this person can attenuate it together with the qualities of the first fruit, then this person is considered a second fruit. Yeah. Second fruit is also known as sakatagami or one's returner. That means after dying, this person at most come back as a human being once. Mm. Only once. Why? Because the craving and desire has been attenuated to that degree. Mm. Yeah. I think I've uh, mentioned before, was it in this class, about how uh, an enlightened being do not get reborn in the lower realms, not because of some special chop or some special waiver by the Buddha, but simply by virtue of his cultivation, that he do not connect with those lower states anymore. Yeah. Uh, so here it says, Ren wo jian xiang ying wei, that uh, at this stage, this stage is describing the point where, yeah, the, the, the stage where uh, a person's mind uh, is still connected to uh, this attachment to a view of a self. Yeah. So this is the first uh, cat A yeah, uh, description. Mm. Then further, mm. this is when uh, whenever there is the default mind arising, uh, then this is involved. Okay. Further, tong yu So this is this is uh, common, or this is this applies to who? Firstly, applies to all unenlightened beings. Yeah. Here, there's a phrase yi shen. Mm, yi shen. So yi shen refers to how uh, sentient beings take rebirth through uh, karma. Yeah. Uh, the yi here, there's actually a deeper meaning. Uh. Yi here means uh, disparate. Uh, but the disparate here means what? In the uh, some of these have to be explained d- deeper when we talk about the eight consciousness. Uh, but I pull in to give you some background. So the Yishen here means at the s- when the karmic seed is planted within eight consciousness. Uh, in the eight consciousness itself, eight consciousness has no uh, wholesome unwholesome. Uh, remember this first. Uh, it consciousness itself has no conscious, has no wholesome unwholesome, and yet it can give rise towards painful and pleasant uh, results. Then the planting of, of seeds itself, the intent has wholesome unwholesome, but when it's planted again, no wholesome unwholesome. Yeah. So in this way, Yishen, yeah. So describing how we are. Right now, yeah, that we act uh, driven by ignorance, driven by greed, hatred, and delusion. Whatever we perceive, we perceive as very real, very tangible. So, when it's pleasant, we perceive this as tangible, very real uh, uh, experience and things. Then, when it's unpleasant, we also ex- uh, perceive it as very real. So from this give rise to greed and hatred and so on, as I mentioned, then we act. 
Yeah. So acting in this way, then we plant seeds. Yeah. Uh, this is how we are. Uh, but when we are acting, yeah, when we act, our intent is it has wholesome and wholesomeness. Then the seed when it's planted, it has no wholesome and wholesomeness. Yeah. Uh, this part remember this part uh, because eight consciousness, which is the next page, I will explain in more detail. Then from this eight consciousness which has no wholesome unwholesomeness, it gives rise to painful, pleasant results. So this is the the, the expanded explanation of yi shen. Uh, yi shen. That means uh, disparate or varied uh, rebirth, yeah, arising. Yeah. So this is referring to all unenlightened beings. Unenlightened beings, what happen? Unenlightened beings fall under this stage. Yeah. This stage where the mind is still uh, connected with self, with ego, with attachment. So one implication is, when we learn this, then we we look look at ourselves. Uh, this is not to give ourselves excuse. Huh? <laughs> this is not to give ourselves excuse. Hey, but you know, I'm at this stage, ma. So okay for me to have ego. <laughs> I don't know. When we look at ourselves, we should consider, ah, I'm still at this stage. I'm not at the second and third stage yet. Ah, yeah. Uh, we, we should think in this way, yeah. But we should also, when we look at ourselves, consider that, given that we are at this stage, uh, have some patience with our own cultivation also. Why is this important? This is important because um, if we don't have this uh, understanding and recognition, then we may um, overstep or or overreach in our cultivation, have over-expectation of our progress. The fact is, when we attend Dharma talk, I'm sure for many of you, this is not the first time we hear about uh, no self, yeah, about attachment. But some of us may have heard before people ask in class, Hey Sufu, how come after attending your class or any classes, read some books, Hey, I can understand the concept. But when I go to work, wow, when people when I present and people criticize my idea, oh, I still get upset. Why? Uh? <laughs> mm. uh, it, it takes time. <laughs> it's like some of the masters describe it's like the teacup or the teapot. Mm. You know the Chinese uh, teapot? So uh, each time they, they make tea with it, Make, 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 make. Uh, over time, the tea, after washing, you smell, hey, that's the tea smell. Mm. So those who are very particular uh, with tea, right, they actually have multiple tea pot. So certain tea pot is for certain tea. Well, if you don't know, you go and mix them up. <laughs> or if you ever visit your friend's place or some some tea uh, those you know, uh, what do you call that hobbies uh, don't go and clean that teacup uh, or teapot uh. please don't go and t- clean it okay don't look at it and say hey how come the teapot has stained you know oh, then you go and take a metal scrub and scrub it uh. 
after that, your friend will not invite you for tea anymore. <laughs> yeah. In the, in Taiwan, uh, and also, I've met many uh, Chinese monks, Taiwanese monks, and they share with me, and some devotees. Yeah. So they call it uh, yang cha, yang cha hu. Yeah. So they they would actually pour it over each other. Yeah. Is to give that coating, you know. <laughs> So in a similar way, we should consider, since beginningless time, our mind has been soaked in ego, (laughs) drenched in ego. So layers after layers for so long. So the point is, as we learn the Dharma, yeah, we slowly carve it away, slowly scrub it away. Mm. But we have to have patience with ourselves. Otherwise, we would give up easily. Otherwise, you try for three days, try for three weeks, try for three months, eh, doesn't work. Eh? Uh, but it, this is how tough it is. Uh. Yeah, uh, this is how tough it is. Yesterday, at the other class, ITBW, in the Buddha's words, so there's this passage about how there is, um, there is the, uh, what is the first stage? Uh, the preservation of truth, then discovery of truth, then attainment of truth. Yeah. So preservation is through faith. You you say that yes, I accept and believe that this is true. You preserve the truth. But that's all it is. Then you you reflect and then you realize the truth. Then you, we call that discovery of the truth. But just discovery itself, you are not enlightened yet. Yeah, and in the in the introduction, Venerable Bhikkhu Bodhi uh, quoted one of the sutra from Majjhima Nikaya, and then he he says, uh, after that initial discovery, you need to repeatedly, repeatedly do the practice, go through the same sequence again and again and again. Uh, when I read that section, I was like, ah. I was so joyful. Why? Yeah, because uh, yeah, this is my own um, my own understanding. Yeah, in some classes I use Hokkien, uh, and I say when we learn about the teachings, all things are impermanent. Eh? Easy to understand, uh? Uh, but you need to keep on re- revisit this, revisit this truth and see it again and again and experience it again and again and again until what happened? until see sim see sim see sim how can I also don't know see sing the heart die that means you are utterly convinced when you see Today you see it tomorrow. Maybe you still think maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe next week will be different. Yeah, but you see that today is like that. Tomorrow is like that. Yesterday is like that. The following is still like that. In all aspects, ah, then you are utterly convinced. Then you are utterly convinced. Uh, and then you you have that. Uh, and then it's no longer just a concept. Mm. So, uh, considering all this, um, 
we should then have a calibrated approach towards our own progress and our own cultivation. Yeah. We must have the realistic expectation. We don't say that, oh, I just attend uh, some classes, read a few books, then I should, I should be okay. Yeah. Uh, if you can do it, I, I, I think uh, it's, that's very good. And I have, I have had students who tell me that, you know, after this class or that class, then they did, did some reflection, and after a while they, eh, you know, Chinese say, xiang tong la. Uh, in a way, have a mini breakthrough. Don't, not to say that they become enlightened, but they look at the same issue that has been bugging them for so long uh, differently. Yeah. But in the meantime, do you think that that person just suddenly become like that? No. Yeah, there was a period of time that such a person would undergo where hey, it doesn't seem to make sense or doesn't seem to work. Uh, so then you must know because we are now at this Ren Wo Jie and Xiang Ying Wei. What else? Yu Xue. So what is Ercen? It's a two vehicle. So in the Mahana teachings, there are three vehicles. What are the three vehicles? What are the three vehicles? Shravaka, then Pachika Buddha, then Buddhisattva, yeah. So these three, uh, these three uh, is the formal three vehicles that we find in Mahana Buddhism, yeah. Uh, first one is Shravaka, Senwen. Second, Pachika, Pizhi, Pizhi Fo Tao, yeah, or Pizhi Fo Chen. Then the third one is Pusa Chen, yeah, Buddhisattva vehicle. Yeah. Uh, in the Lotus Sutra, then it's, it says all these three ultimately uh, is, is actually one vehicle. Mm. Buddha Yana. <laughs> yeah, the Buddha vehicle. <coughs> so here, whenever in the, in the text, when you say two vehicles, which are the two? The first two, uh, Sravaka and Pachika. Okay? So here, now you may you may on the onset look at it and say hey, how is it possible that the, the these two vehicles can still have uh, can still have this attachment to self yeah so here it is uh, looking at the the learner stage in these two vehicles some of you have attended other classes before and I have heard the explanation from Sifu before. That's the learner and then the non-learner. Yeah? What is learner? Learner refers to those who have already penetrated to the Dharma. Yeah? Uh, in the Shravaka path, then it is first stage to um, third stage, including the stage that is inclining to, towards the fourth stage. So, all the stages before Arahanthood yeah, is included under this yeah, learner stage yeah, uh, in the uh, Shravaka path. Okay? 
Why? Because only arahants have completely removed the ego. Mm. Yeah, only arahant for Sravaka has completely removed ego. Mm. Then Pachuka Buddha uh, vehicle. Eh? Yeah. So Pachuka Buddha vehicle, Pachuka Buddha don't have this problem. Uh, but the stages before Pachuka Buddha uh, would have this problem. Mm. But we must not think that, eh? Wow, so we are equal to them, huh? Same category, huh? No, no. Yeah, this is referring to the momentary lapses that these enlightened ones may have while they are in this stage. Mm. For them, it's momentary. For us, it's constantly. <laughs> uh, so that is the huge difference. Um, there's a beautiful, uh, beautiful analogy that is given. Uh, which is the difference between enlightened and unenlightened beings. Uh, the water dripping onto a, a, a stone, yeah, a stone that has been heated for a whole day, yeah, such that it's burning red hot. So when you have a pot with a whole dripping water, the moment it, the water drop touches the the, the stone that has been heated for the whole day, what will happen? It will just turn into steam. Uh. Uh, so this is used to describe the enlightened one. They may still have lapses, and those that are before Arahant stage, they may still have lapses. But that's how fast they would dispel it. Yeah. How fast it will be dispelled. Yeah. Momentarily, they have lapses. But for unenlightened beings, uh, it's like the same drop of water dropping down uh, on cold stone tablet. Then overflowing. Wow, waterfall. So, so the two vehicles don't include Bodhisattva path. Yeah, so, the next one is those that are at the Bodhisattva path. Which other one? Chi di qian zi pu sa de you lo sing wei. So, uh, before stage 7. So, in other classes, and I think in this class I've mentioned before, stage 7 is uh, the wisdom is equivalent to an arahant. Stage 8 is surpassing an arahant. So, before stage 7. yeah. Then, even before stage 7, uh, they may momentarily have lapses. Yeah. So whenever they have lapses, then, uh, then they would have this pro- this problem. Yeah. So, 有第七世,原阿拉耶世,神奇我见. So this part, um, the mind being attached to the alaya consciousness, then arising uh, the, the, the ego, uh, Arising, uh, this attachment to the self. Yeah. Uh, in our context, we can consider it simply as uh, in our day-to-day life. Uh, whenever, whenever the I is involved. Mm. But having said that, having said that, does it mean that uh, from now on, when you interact with people? 
then you don't talk about I. Huh? Uh, then, then you start telling myself, yourself, you go to work, this is not my work. <laughs> <laughs> then your boss one day asks you, hey, you haven't been giving me re- your reports. Huh? I have no reports. <laughs> uh, cannot not. Cannot not. Mm. Uh, the closest I can share with you an experience of this is uh, many many years back when I was still working but have decided to uh, to go forth so there was there were a couple of months before I tender uh, so I was still assigned projects and I would go for meetings uh, and re- I remember vividly that uh, that afternoon yeah, there was an email and text uh, about this project to go to Thailand uh, uh, working with our, our counterpart in Thailand yeah, to do a project with EIS yeah, Telco project so the, we're supposed to have two person going so when I go for the meeting eh, besides my boss there are three person I was like, hmm? okay, go for a meeting, sit down, and then our boss tell us, okay, all the details. Then after that, he said, uh, we're supposed to send two person. So one of them is this other other colleague. Uh, so he will be he has to, he, he has to go because he's the biz talk ex- expert, yeah, Shu Heng. Then he said, so the other person. I'm thinking either you or Derek. Yeah. So then uh, my boss very cute. <laughs> then he asked me, he says, So what do you think? Uh, who should I send? He's going to ask me this. <laughs> now let me assure you, uh, uh, in the past, before he even suggests anything, I will say, Boss, I'm the person. You know that I'm the person. I'm the I'm the best person for this man. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you. Do you, you you want reasons? Let me tell you ten reasons for a start. <laughs> or in fact, I may say like, why by choosing? Like, you mean you still don't know that I'm the best person? <laughs> okay, maybe not so kwazang, huh? not so exaggerated. But that day I didn't say that. I told him I said, well, um, up to you. Um, you you decide who is the best person. If you think that I'm suitable, then send me. If not, I'd be happy to stay back and do support. Yeah, I already have the initial brief. Um, yeah, just send me the, the the other things, and then keep me keep me posted. I will do the the background research and send it over when as and when you need. Uh, not that I was so crazy aggressive, uh, but usually when you get regional projects, that's a, the chance for you to shine. You see. So in, in our company, everybody is super chonga. <laughs> so my response that day, uh, yeah, if you were there in the in the in his office, you will see he's like, huh? and then he's like, okay, okay, then I will send Derek. Yeah, so he said he he was he will send the other guy. So I said, okay, then keep me posted. Yeah, uh, let me know how I can help and support. Not that in the past I don't support people. Yeah, but I would usually try to take, you know. The, the, the leading role for projects. Uh, 
as my ex-colleague said, come on, we are all adrenaline junkie. <laughs> we like the challenge. Yeah, if we are given two projects to choose, one easy, one difficult, we will always go for the difficult one. Yeah. Otherwise, what's the challenge? You get an easy project, then you just spend two weeks, three weeks. <laughs> yeah. So what happened? That evening, that evening I got a call from the guy who was supposed to go. Then he, he told me, uh, boss changed his mind. I said, ah? Changed his mind? What happened? He said, don't know. He, he said, you will go instead. I said, ah? Okay. Okay, then I go. <laughs> that was my... <laughs> That was my first experience of yeah. uh, in, in English it means uh, in life many things you can wish for, you can desire for it but you cannot demand it mm. <coughs> somehow when I don't fight, then somehow my boss suddenly changed his mind after that so I don't know what was going on but I wasn't resistant to going, so I went then again, during the meetings, um, usually I will push for my my design to, to be the one that is to be implemented. Uh, we were there for maybe two or three days, and we were supposed to be to to produce a, a proof of concept. Yeah, go there. The first day is just to understand. The next day, half the next day have more meetings, and then the final day have to come out with a proof of concept. So it's super. Super crazy, <laughs> high stress. <laughs> oh, but we were like, oh yeah. <laughs> so we we spend hours having discussion between me and my colleague. Discuss, and usually, as I said, um, I don't know how you all are like. Uh, maybe I'm the opposite of many of you. But in in the corporate world, many times we will like really push for our ideas to go through. But that day somehow, as we were discussing. So he presented his case, I presented my case. Then I sat back and looked at what he presented. Then I thought about it. Actually, his idea also is also okay. Right? So I stopped fighting. So suddenly the whole meeting became very peaceful. And I told him, I said, you know what, I think yours will work also. Let's go with your idea. And that's the first time when I really felt at peace in a meeting. <laughs> Because usually in meeting and fighting, <laughs> and then, then the funny thing is, then he got terrified. <laughs> and he's like, he, he had the, oh shit, is this a trap <laughs> or something? You know, yeah. So we went with his idea, and then yeah, I, I did all I can to materialize his idea, because you know in the corporate world. Usually, if your if the other team suddenly say, "Okay, I'll go with your idea," then along the way, the, the other team may sometimes delay this, delay that, sabo, so that your idea will fail. Then, well, you wanted so, yeah, but in me there was no such a thing. Yeah. Then, as we have meetings with the our partners and then the the AIS, yeah, similar things happen again and again. We came back. Then the strangest thing is because the other guy is actually the BizTalk expert. Then somehow, the our partner actually requests for me to go, even though I was not not actually an expert. I, and I was like pushing for his idea to, because once we have decided, I really give everything in to support his idea. So I don't know whether it's coincidence, yeah. But I suspect 
when you take the I out of the equation, then you can really look at the project, then you can really look at your ideas and other people's ideas and measure, measure the situation, assess the situation objectively. Initially, initially people may feel a bit startled because they are not used to people working in that way. They are used to people fighting with them. So initially when you don't fight with them, um, when I came back, this continued for a few months before I left, so I could sense people's question mark, you know. I guess because there's a drastic change from how I was before that also. But over time, within that short few months, um, you see that, that recognition that, okay, this guy has a different approach now. Yeah. And so when you say yes, they know that it is a real yes. And when you say no, it, it, they know that it's a real no. And then I, I felt this deeper level of trust among the teams. Mm. Is this not office politics? Is this not office politics? Uh? Right? Yes, it is. It is. Yeah, exactly. This is office politics. And and the point is, once we take out the I, you are, we, um, others may still be <laughs> playing politics. Uh, but what I observe, uh, and your knowledge may vary, okay? What I observe is that the people I work with, when I took out my I, or what, whatever I can perceive as I, um, then over time, there's a deeper sense of trust. And then we stop the politicking and really focus on what can work out for the team, for the company. Yeah. So, um, while we may not get fully enlightened in this life, yeah, but there's, there's hope, even in the corporate world. Mm. <laughs> but you're right, that's basically office politics. And the rule of office politics is attachment to ego. This is my project, this is my team. My team should become bigger, stronger. Yeah. When something goes wrong, not my team's fault. Yeah. First thing is, no, I, it, it's a, we already handed over to the other team. First thing is, the first thing is, is, is rarely, okay, what can we do to f- fix the problem now? Yeah. First thing is usually, no, 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 that, that is not, not my, my team's problem. So, can you imagine if one day uh, companies, yeah, uh, actually even just just have this this mindset once in a while, uh, going to work would be so much more pleasant. <laughs> mm. But having said that. Uh, while it is unpleasant to experience office politics, and sometimes very tiresome, like you spend more time in meetings to argue, and, and sometimes not that you want to go and fight, you know, but you have to spend time, so much hours, so many days, just to convince people of something. Yeah. That is very apparent. You know? uh, but the point is, when we see this, we should consider... Um, we are all currently unenlightened. Hmm. We are currently all unenlightened. So, all being unenlightened, 
thrown into a situation where there is what we call li hai guan si, yeah, where there is uh, gain and loss involved, potential gain and loss involved. So being unenlightened, we are like kids groping in the dark, frightened. I like what uh, Bante Somaloka, uh, how he described it. He said, we are like kids groping in the dark, frightened. So a bit of sound, pop! <laughs> See something, grab onto it. Or in some text described, we are like floating in the ocean, you know. Anything that come by that seems to be a bit more stable, we'll hold on to it and cling on to it with dear life. We are not enlightened yet. They are not enlightened yet. But at least we have some knowledge of what the enlightened ones have seen. Yeah? Yeah. Then we should consider, Ayah, because they haven't have this knowledge, nor do they have this um, experience, this wisdom yet. That's why they are fighting so hard. Mm. Then, we may give rise to compassion for the politicking. <laughs> so, this is the first, first, uh, first stage. Yeah. Now the second stage. So before I go to the second stage, so this first stage is where there is this uh, ego and self and everything. Yeah. Now. If you can visualize this stage, anything that is outside of this stage would be uh, without this. Okay? Mm. Would be without this influence. That means anything that is outside of this stage, then the mind is without the influence of the ego. Okay? Mm. So, stage B. Fa wo jian, xiang ying wei. So, what is fa wo jian? If you consider Ren Wo Jian and Fa Wo Jian, it's basically Wo Zi Fa Zi, attachment to self as an individual, and then attachment to uh, things, phenomena, as being substantial. The first one is attachment to self as being substantial. Second one is attachment to things, everything, as being substantial. Mm. So this fa zi, this is also known as fa zi, attachment to uh, things. Uh, the, the proper term is dharma, but it is not referring to Buddha dharma. Okay? Uh, this is important to highlight. Why? Because there are some, <laughs> unfortunately, they see fa zi, then they think, oh, attachment to Buddha dharma. <laughs> then they think, hmm. To be enlightened, we must let go of this. Yeah, so sometimes you'll see people saying things like, don't be so attached to the labels. Yeah? Uh, call it Buddhism or don't call it Buddhism, same. They think that if they, can, if they do this, then it is non-attachment to labels. Think about it. If you look at the suttas, the Buddha should be seen we should all agree that the Buddha has no more attachment to anything whatsoever, isn't it? But at the same time, the Buddha addresses his disciples as they are. 
when he see venerable Ananda, he call Ananda. Da, 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 da. When he see venerable Sariputra, he address Sariputra. Da, 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 da. He don't look at venerable Ananda and say Sariputra. He don't look at venerable Sariputra and say Ananda. Uh, he doesn't do that. He don't mix things up. But he's not attached to this label as well. Now that's the difference. He's not attached to the label, he's not attached to the person or a being and so on and so forth. But he just uses it as a conventional uh, truth. Yeah. Conventionally, this entity is Venerable Sariputra. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, this is something that is crucial. Uh, when we talk about attachment to Dharma, uh, there is such a thing also. Mm. Uh, but this is the purview of those who are enlightened. <laughs> yeah. Not, nothing related to us in a way. We also have that attachment, but we don't know enough Dharma to be truly attached to it also. <laughs> if I can use the parable of a raft, yeah, the one that I, I always share in the Heart Sutra, crossing over to the other shore, then what to do with the raft? Yeah, yi. Uh-huh. So what to do with the raft? Uh, put it by the shore. Right? Uh, so the <coughs> uh, quite a few venerables bring this up about how mm, so we should not be attached to the raft huh? so all these words are the raft don't be attached to it Amitabha <laughs> some students ever ask me Sifu in the Zen tradition there is this Kong'an Koan yeah? uh, the in the cold winter months then there, there are these two monks who were traveling and then they've encountered this like uh, this old old temple then they sought uh, sought out shelter there then at night was wow, so cold you know then there was a Buddha image in the temple the whole place is old and dilapidated you know so then in the middle of the night one of the monks took out the wooden Buddha statue and chopped it up and then burn. The other, the other monk woke up. Whoa, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? You burn the Buddha. So, then he said, is that Buddha inside the statue? <laughs> so there are some people who, this is actually a, an actual koan. Uh, yeah. Is there Buddha nature in that? Uh, so, some people look at this and say, well, in that case, then we don't have to put Buddha statue. In that case, we don't have to call ourselves Buddhists. We just practice the teachings. Yeah? A, a, a related question is, do we have to take refuge? Yeah. Since all forms is not to be attached to. Dharma is not to be attached to. No attachment. Have you heard people say this? They will ask the venerable Sufu, uh, is it compulsory to take refuge? How many of you have taken refuge? Oh, majority, huh? So, uh, not to not to give pressure to those who have not taken refuge. <laughs> yeah, but there are, there are some students last time they asked me, Sufu, is it compulsory to take refuge? And I say, well, what do you mean? And I say. 
if I don't take refuge, can I attain enlightenment? So I told him, I said, well, first of all, in principle, you don't need to. The Buddha didn't take refuge in, in a Buddha because there was no Buddha to begin with at that point in time. Yeah. And he was the one who discovered the, the, the truth. So there was no Dharma that he could take refuge in to begin with. Yeah. And only when there was the five, five uh, disciples, then was the Sangha established. So technically, in principle, you don't need to take refuge and you can still attain enlightenment. But that's like saying, technically, you should be able to swim as fast as schooling. <laughs> How fast did he swim? Huh? 50 meter in how many seconds? Or 100 meter in how many seconds? Yeah, I noticed that I cannot remember, you know. But I remember that, you know, like the Carl Lewis, wow, 8.9 seconds or whatever, like, wow, very deep impression. So, no matter how many seconds, the fact that one human being was able to do it, so technically, human beings can run that fast. But does it mean that all of us can run that fast? If you train that much, yeah, you can run that fast. So likewise, if you train as hard as the Buddha for three asankaya kappa, uh, then you can attain enlightenment without taking refuge. <laughs> so this thing about attachment, yeah, uh, especially to the Dharma, don't worry about the Dharma. Let the Dharma worry <laughs> for itself. Uh. The first thing we should focus on um, our, is our attachment to uh, our defilements. We, ha- we have attachment to defilements. We have attachment to worldly things. Uh, this is the first thing we should be concerned about. Yeah. Attachment to the ego, to the self. Uh, this is the, the uh, Dharma, uh, it's okay, later, later. So here, Fa Wo Jian Xiang Ying Wei. So this Fa Wo Jian is referring to um, the, the attachment to phenomena, all things, as being uh, inherent, substantial, and existing. Hmm. So, yeah, So, this is when, uh, if a person were to cultivate, practice, and then uh, first hear the teachings of emptiness of all things, then reflect on the emptiness of all things, whether in terms of form, feelings, perception, mental formation and consciousness, whether in terms of eye, ears, nose, tongue, body and mind, or in terms of form, sound, smell, taste, touch and mental objects. You, you reflect very deeply in all different ways and then you come to the conclusion and understanding, ah yes, it is indeed, as the Buddha has said, as the various bodhisattvas have said, as the commentaries have declared and analyzed, yes, there's no inherent nature in all things. Yeah, that all things is empty of any in, intrinsic inherent nature. Ah, then, oh, you have the understanding. Okay, good. Then you cultivate your mind such that you can observe directly this truth. Then you can verify. You can verify what has been what you have heard, what you have reflected and understood. Now, one day you can do that, 
and you can penetrate to a, a point where you can see a glimpse of it. Uh, then, at that point onwards, you have what you call the uh, yeah. When you reach to, a, to that stage where the, the penetration has deepened to that. Before this, but here is once you reach the past that stage, then you, this don't apply to you. Uh, but this is before you reach that stage. Uh, so you notice that A and B actually there's an overlap. Yeah. So before you reach this stage where you have true penetration into how all things are uh, empty of any substantiality, empty of inherent nature, yeah. then the mind still have this attachment. This attachment is um, what we call ji sen. Mm, that means ji sen means in a way innate. You are born with it. Yeah. But why is it that you are born with it? Because since beginningless time, we keep seeing things wrongly. Because if you, if you just consider our day-to-day basis, is it substantial? Say yes. This pen, is it substantial? Feels quite substantial. This mark cover, is it substantial? Who says no? Uh, in the Zen school, whoever say no, get it flying over. <laughs> Pyong! <laughs> so, our experience seems to indicate, hey, it's very real, very substantial. So, in this life, we feel, we see very substantially. We experience it so concretely. Today we see it concretely. So today's experience mold tomorrow's mindset. Tomorrow based on today plus the past. So today is like that. So tomorrow we feel, yeah, it's quite substantial. Then because t- today and tomorrow and yesterday and before that all substantial, then the following day we are, we are very likely to feel that it's substantial. And this substantiality becomes so ingrained in us, such that the moment we are born, have, have this mindset. But, you see, the fact that we are born with this mindset is because of all these as conditions. It is not that we are meant to be like that. And that's why it can change. All this can be changed. Yeah, because all this are due to conditions for it to arise. So, here, so the mind that is attached to things yeah, as substantial. Then Yuan what is Yi Actually Yi is another name for the eighth consciousness. And why is it consciousness? Actually, it's the mind. Yeah, it's actually the mind. So, then, in this way, giving rise to uh, the view, the attachment further, that all things are substantial and inherent. So, uh, this, this is where I must first tell you the 
model answer. Huh? Mm. So in the Mahayana teachings, we say that uh, to have this, to have the wisdom uh, to penetrate into how all things are insubstantial, uh, we say that the uh, only the bodhisattvas at a certain stage, oh no, the the bodhisattvas from stage one onwards have 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 this penetration. Yeah. Then, however, the those who are unenlightened, of course, not in this stage. Yeah, is is covered in stage B. Yeah, haven't surpassed it. The, uh, those who are in the two vehicles are also stuck in this stage. Mm. So this is the official statement uh, under the Mahana teachings. Uh, two vehicles, they still don't have this wisdom. They still have the uh, the attachment to how all things are insubstant, uh, that all things are substantial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, officially, it's like that. But here I want to suggest something for you to consider. When we when we say five aggregates, what are the five aggregates? Yeah. Forms, feelings, perception, mental formations, and consciousness. Mm. So, these five uh, is usually found uh, as a description of I, yeah, of the self, of a person, and so on. And when we say attachment to the self, it's usually with reference to these five. But at the same time, this five encompasses the whole world. Why? Because the first aggregate physical form, when with reference to a person, to a sentient being, is referring to the physical body. But by itself, it is not uh, limited to the physical body. It actually encompasses all physicality. All physicality. So what does that mean? It means that for a person who have attained uh, the first, the first, uh, that initial realization with respect to the ego, the self, uh, it is in a way a trivial matter to then apply it ubiquitously throughout apply that same principle on all things then they will attain the fa the wisdom that all things are empty yeah, it is uh, but by definition those who are in the two vehicles, when they reach fruition, they only attain the uh, emptiness of the self. Yeah, that means no self. Yeah. Uh, but you must remember, those who have attained this stage, if they can just extend from there and apply towards all phenomena, then in no time, very quickly. Yeah. And that's why. The, in the text it says that the Arahant, once they have evoked Bodhicitta and they start on the path, 
they are immediately equivalent to stage 7 bodhisattva. Boom. <laughs> yeah. So here, um, cat B, then it basically means that uh, unenlightened sentient beings and the two, uh, two vehicles. Yeah. All those who have not attained to this, uh, the emptiness of all phenomena uh, would have this. And what is it? It is that the mind is tainted in yet another way. Yeah, the first category is that the mind is tainted with attachment to the ego, to the self. Yeah. Now, the second way the mind is tainted is uh, when we perceive the whole world, uh, not just I am real, this is real, this is mine, my pen is real, yeah. this is a mark, the mark is real. You go for a job interview, the job interview is real. The job is real. Then when you get it, because it's real, uh, and if you like it, then when you get it, you feel happy. <laughs> and that's why if you don't get it, you feel sad. If you know that it's not real, why would you feel happy or sad over it? And initially, when you join the company, maybe as an accountant, as an engineer, as a psychologist, as a consultant, then initially you're not so sure about it. Wow. Then you feel uneasy, you feel stressed. You know? Then, after a while, you get quite used to it. Then you, you identify with it so strongly. Wow. Then if something happened to this title, wow, you get affected. And as you identify so strongly with it, this becomes so substantial and so real. Uh, then your happiness is packed to it. Mm. Your happiness is packed to it. And you really believe that you really believe that you are dead. After all, you really believe you are a manager. You really believe that you are a mother, you are a father, you are this, you are that. All these labels. Think about it. Uh. When you are sleeping, let's say you are a mother. When you are sleeping, do mothers sleep in a certain way? Mothers sleep like that. <laughs> but in a way, you can say that, no, oh, Sifu, mothers don't sleep well. So mothers sleep in a certain way. Yeah? Always, even sleeping, thinking about uh, how is my daughter doing, how is my son doing. <laughs> huh? Is it true? Huh? Yes? How do you relate to like, the labor of Sangha, venerable then? Ah, yes. So there was once, where was that place? Huh? I went to this place to uh, I think there was an there was a Buddhist event or something. Then someone came to me and then greeted me. But I was quite taken aback by how he greeted me. He greeted me, uh, "Good evening, monk." <laughs> I was ah. Huh? <laughs> the good evening is polite, but the monk is a bit eh. 
so uh, even even uh, being a monk if you are attached to it you can be affected by it <laughs> and I must admit to you all sometimes I do get affected uh, but sometimes I have a bit of mindfulness and I okay, it's okay. <laughs> so some 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 uh, students or devotees sometimes they'll text me Chuan Because in the Chinese, in I think in most lineages, it is especially Asians, like, I think, yeah, it's considered not so appropriate to address a senior by the name, yeah. Like I, in my whole life before I become a monk, uh, I never addressed my sisters by their name, yeah, even my sisters, not to mention my parents, you know. So in the Asian culture, is it's just so ingrained, you know. But then over time, I reflect on this yeah. hey I'm still affected why am I affected by this so I have an argument in my mind you know? so once I say hey how can I get not that I how can you call me a monk no not like that but I'm like eh? how come like that but even like that is not good so I have this argument then the other side you know, like it's like a debate you know then the other side stand up and say no sir uh, let me highlight to you uh, in some of the texts, it says that the Buddha says that uh, even among monks, uh, they should not call each other friend. You know, uh, the junior should address the senior as Bante or as this and that. You know, so hey, yeah, so shouldn't uh, then they are side. But nonetheless, if you get upset, you're wrong. Then <laughs> then after that, another guy come up and say, but if you recall in the suttas. Not everybody addressed the Buddha as Buddha. Not everybody addressed the Buddha as the Blessed One. Even there was even one case where the Buddha was staying over in a in a potter shed, and then there was this monk who was a Buddhist monk, yeah, but he has never seen the Buddha before. How beautiful is that? Simply hearing the teachings that was given by another another monk. Then he was able to say, "Yeah, that is good enough. I want to audience." Yeah, and then the Buddha, when staying over with in that place uh, overnight, then they have a conversation, and the monk addressed him as friend. <laughs> Imagine you see the Buddha, then you say friend, but he don't know that that's the Buddha. But the Buddha never say. How dare you call me friend? Pay <laughs> you, you know. But later on in the conversation, so the Buddha was very impressed by this monk because of his his you know demeanor, and then he asked talk to him about Dharma. Then the Buddha was impressed that wow, this this monk has learned the Dharma that the Tathagata has taught well, you know. Ah, so he further asked him questions, asked, and through the asking this monk realized that is the teacher himself. Wow, I immediately knew down and, you know, asked for forgiveness. And Buddha said, yeah, it was not fitting for you to call the Tathagata friend. Uh, but, it, you know, you, you, you know, and it's, in a way, like, it's okay. No, not that it's okay, but you have made amends. You know, that's fine. And there are others who just address him as ascetic Gotama. Uh, so, um, by and by, I'm like, okay, 
okay lah. <laughs> oh, then after that, everybody texts me, hello monk. <laughs> yeah, but this is just the name. Yeah, there are many aspects about our roles. Uh, how about the, the attachment to my role as a monk? Uh, is there an attachment to this? So this is where it, it can become a bit grayer. Because sometimes uh, it's easy for the tainted mind to find justification. But this is my duty. This is my responsibility. Hmm. As a teacher, as a sifu, my responsibility to, to do this, to do that, to say this, say that. So, a guiding principle is, no matter what your role is, protect your mind. Watch your mind. In whatever role you are supposed to be playing, that you, you, are, you seek to play, does it conduce to uh, a reduction in greed, hatred and delusion in yourself and others. If in the process of so-called carrying out your role, then you end up getting upset, giving rise to defilements, then either the role is not suitable at this point in time, or you are not relating to it in the correct way. Mm. The way you explain now, Uh laboring is not important, you're saying. It's not important? Laboring. The labels that you, you give to a person. But in life, you, you have to recognize each different people. With La- oh, labeling. Uh, labeling, yeah. Oh, oh. You know what I mean? This guy is a manager. This guy is a worker. Uh-huh. And then you react differently, right? If you don't label them, I mean, they're chaotic. Mm. <laughs> So you, 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 if you are a father, uh-uh. you have to behave like a father. You know? Oh, yes, you yes, yes. Yourself, Laboring is also important. Yes. I completely agree with you. Uh, It's good that you point this out. Because some of you, after hearing what I said, may end up with this wrong conclusion. (laughs) (laughs) Remember what I mentioned about the Buddha? That the Buddha, while he's not attached to anything, he still uses the label. Mm. So when we say that, after a while we get so used to it, I'm the father. What do we mean by that? So, for example, if a person is a manager, uh, he must recognize that it is just a label. Given the right conditions, that label is inactive. That means it's, it's in operation. Given the right conditions, you, are, you can function as a manager. But when the conditions change, you are no longer a manager. You know the the the, uh, the the story or not story, in a way like a joke, huh? About how uh, if you marry a nurse, you know the the the, the joke about or teacher teacher. Uh, to a to a doctor, everyone is a patient. To a to an engineer, everything is a problem to be fixed, huh? <laughs> To be to an to a manager, everyone is a staff. <laughs> so when we say uh, not to be attached to the label or role, you are absolutely correct. Doesn't mean that we don't we forego all the roles, uh. yeah. But it's how do we play that role when there are the right conditions? 
How many times have we heard or seen for ourselves where uh, the the parents, in a way, bring bring office work home? And I don't mean literally or not literally bring work home, but it's the whole demeanor and mindset. Ah. Forget to play the role of a mother when we are when they are with the child. And then at the same time, when the mother is with a three-year-old child, you have to play the role of a mother for a three-year-old child. You have to really mother the child. But when the mother, when the child, when the child is fifteen-year-old, you cannot mother the the child like a three-year-old anymore. You must become a different mother. Then when the child reaches twenty-one, twenty-two, and then settle down, then you must become a different mother already. Ah, this is what we mean. And if we are attached to the first instance of the mother, and that's the problem, isn't it? I mean, I'm just using mother as an example. Uh, initially, motherhood, the experience is, wow, you're inside my stomach. How many times have you heard your mother say, you know how many months you stay inside my stomach? No? But I'm already out for 40 over years. <laughs> <laughs> so from, from such simple statements, you can see that a person... I say this with the deepest respect to all mothers. Yeah. Without this process, human, human species go extinct. But if, if mothers can transcend that stage and realize that, yes, uh, that is a very crucial stage for the child, but your role as a mother in that way has ended already. The moment you deliver, it has ended. Yeah. It is a bonus if your child can reflect on that and give rise to gratitude to you for being the home for, for him or her for nine months to ten months. Yeah, but once the child has grown up and then you know settled down and so on, cannot keep on thinking, without me, my stomach, you are... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, very good point. How do we not go to two extremes? One extreme is all labors are unreal. Yeah? So si- since it's insubstantial and so on, so everything goes. And then we become uh, irresponsible, you know. Uh, on the other hand, we become attached so easily, such that attachment can cause us to become stagnant. Uh, both at home, at work, with friends. Yeah. Yeah. But if we can. Um, truly appreciate this uh, ever-changing flux, well, then our life becomes very exciting. So, This is the second stage. That stage, So, for the second second stage, likewise, there is the stage where the person still have not uh, arisen the wisdom of emptiness. Yeah. So beyond that stage are those who have already arisen that wisdom. So here, ping sing zi xiang ying wei. Yeah. So this is where um, the wisdom uh, there's a there's a arising of wisdom already. Mm. 
Uh, this is this stage is the arising of wisdom. The first two stages where no wisdom. This stage is where there's wisdom. Now, the mind is uh, connected with wisdom. What kind of wisdom? Uh, in the some text explanation, this ping等性质相位. Um, the distinction between you and others, uh, you you transcend this this the differences. When we say transcend the differences, doesn't mean there's no differences. Uh. It's actually that you are not attached to the differences. Uh, so go beyond it, uh, transcend it. It's like what I mentioned to you earlier. Me and my colleague, we both come up with ideas. If you are attached to this is my idea, that is his idea, and mine, uh, then <laughs> Whereas if you can see it as it is, these are just ideas. Then you can really measure it and assess it in its own right. Mm. Uh, but I don't say that at that point in time I have this. <laughs> just maybe you know superficial. Yeah, but even superficial is so, you know, empowering, you know, yeah, liberating. So imagine if you reach this stage. Mm. So why is this? Yeah, so this is where the the uh, wisdom. So just now I mentioned the wisdom of emptiness has not arise. Then this is the part that has arisen already. Uh, has arisen. Yes. The knowledge you gained uh, doesn't mean wisdom, right? Oh, yes. It's a different thing. Knowledge itself and wisdom is uh, still distant. Uh, but knowledge is a precursor to wisdom. Mm. It's a precursor to wisdom. wisdom just come by itself? Or uh, you need to get more and more knowledge to reach it? Uh, knowledge, getting more knowledge doesn't bring doesn't just mean that you have a lot of knowledge then you have wisdom but if you have no knowledge unlikely to have wisdom also <laughs> uh, very interestingly this few weeks in all the different classes I've been coming to this point knowledge and wisdom knowledge and wisdom so um, I was sharing about how Knowledge is based on what you already know. And what you know is based on what you hear, what you see, what you read. Yeah? Either from sources like books, and nowadays YouTube. Yeah? Or you hear someone's explanation. Mm. So this, in this stage uh, of knowledge, uh, you need to be able to retain and rec- recall. If you, can, if you hear but here in, here out, no knowledge. Uh, but if you in, and then you keep it inside, but you cannot recall, also considered no knowledge. So you must be able to listen, retain, and then still recall. Then we say that you have knowledge. If you only know one thing, you have knowledge. If you have no two things, you have some knowledge. If you know a lot of things, it doesn't mean you are wise. You are knowledgeable. Then from a lot of knowledge, if you can start to see patterns, mm. certain patterns, and then be able to link up the patterns, apply the patterns, uh, 
then we can say that this person is wise. But in the SBF class last week, I highlighted something. Uh, someone suggested, is wisdom uh, being able to use, apply things, uh, apply your knowledge? Is that considered wise? And I say, yeah, in a way. Uh, but in Buddhism, when we say wise, is the wholesome wise, wholesome application. Mm. So in some of the texts, it does talk about two kinds of wisdom. Wholesome wisdom and evil wisdom or unwholesome wisdom. San uh, zi yeah. and xiezi. So evil wisdom leads to suffering. Wholesome wisdom leads to removal of suffering. I think a very good example is Lee Kuan Yew. Oh, Lee Kuan Yew. Huh? He got a knowledge, but he, he can see things ah. much differently from others. Mm. Uh, so, very good point. So, this is called worldly wisdom. Uh, why, why? It's not that not that we want to you know put people down, uh, uh, but why? Because there's a distinction between wisdom also. So that's the wisdom that can help you um, figure out things in in this world and then uh, improve things, uh, but cannot get out of this world. Uh, so this is what we call si jian zi. Mm, si worldly wisdom, then chu si jian zi the supramundane wisdom yeah? mundane and supramundane wisdom mm. having, having worldly wisdom is a good thing if you can apply it effectively you can improve your life you can improve people's life at least in the short term you can help people reduce the suffering sufficiently so that they can have the capacity to take a breath <sighs> yeah? and then they can experience the difference between suffering and no suffering and from there, they can have faith that ah, complete removal of suffering is possible. If life is too tough, ah, then you may you may not have the the tenacity, the capacity to to want to work towards liberation. Yeah, and that's why in the sutras it says that beings in the lower realms, uh, especially in the hell realms, it's hard for them to practice. They're suffering every day, you know. <laughs> yeah. Momentarily, ah, oh, oh. Ah, so too too worn out. Mm. So the the supramundane wisdom would be uh, that which can help us be free of the samsaric cycle. Yeah. Now this one, this one, this particular ping xing zi, this is also known as the fun, fundamental or foundational non-discriminating wisdom. When we say non-discriminating or uh, then sometimes it's easy to misconstrue it to mean that, oh, with this wisdom, then the person cannot distinguish anything. Uh, no, it doesn't mean that. Uh. It means that the person is does not is not attached to the differences. Yeah. Not attached to the differences. Can see that beyond the superficial differences, there's the underlying principle that is unified. All of us look different. But there's an underlying principle that binds all of us. We are all impermanent. We are all 
insubstantial, but we like to be f- to feel that like we are substantial. Today, in in the group chat, then someone asked about uh, the question of, hey, some sutras say that uh, women can be uh, when you practice in a certain way, then in future life uh, will be become a man. Yeah, can be reborn as a man. Yeah, so uh, in this class we have quite. A, quite a good ratio of men and women uh, so I don't feel so threatened <laughs> no I, I, I don't feel threatened by uh, by students uh. Uh, in the sense that because you're a kind uh, what's there to threaten me you're kind you're a kind right <laughs> so uh, the, the question often is what, what's so bad about being a woman you know uh, why, why not say that oh when you reach a certain stage, then all become women. <laughs> yeah. So, um, going by the text, I cannot go otherwise. I cannot say otherwise. Uh. Un- until proven otherwise, I have to stick to the text. And the text basically states that some text says that those who wish, you know, find the, the, the existence as a female form, loathsen, if they make the aspiration, practice in this way and make the aspiration, they can be reborn as a male. Not all the text is about saying, oh, you practice, then you become a male. Or you don't practice, you become female. It's saying, if you have the aspiration, yeah, uh, then you can become reborn as a, uh, as a male form. If you like being a female so much, go ahead, no problem. <laughs> yeah, uh, But in the sutras, then it mentions about certain limitation. But here, um, there are a few different types of limitation. The first is physical limitation. Yeah? Physical limitation. Uh, second is mental faculty limitation. In terms of physical limitation, at this point in time, uh, male and female is still quite um, the way it is. Yeah? Female have your cycle, yeah, Monday cycle. Then you would, I don't know how much it affects you, but I grew up with three sisters and one mother. <laughs> so I have seen for myself how it can affect them. <laughs> uh, but it affects different people differently. Yeah? But it's a physical thing. We're not here to blame you, you for being a female to have to go through this. but. Many females, many students who are female have shared that openly that yeah, you know, during that period, then oh, like usually oh yeah, <laughs> so this is just one aspect. There's the mental faculty part, which to me is not so much tied to the gender, but you can call them certain qualities, certain qualities is detrimental to the cultivation path. Certain qualities is not so uh, not so detrimental. Then there are some qualities that is supportive and there are some qualities that is very supportive. Well, it would appear that in the Buddha's time, uh, the females in those days have a lot of qualities that are detrimental. But when we go through the, the qualities, we must know that these are qualities can, that can be found in male and female. If we look at all the male in this room, 
Does it mean that all of us have the same quality? <laughs> no. If you look at all the female, does it mean that all of you have the same quality? No. Again, I say I grew up with three sisters and one mother. And from, from them, in a way, um, I like to think that I'm, I'm very, uh, I treat females very equally. So equally that sometimes they may feel that I'm not being very gentlemanly. <laughs> so in the sense that I don't cut women any slack. Because I've seen how, how well women can perform. So I don't say, So sometimes when I hear volunteers say, uh, can we get a few strong men to... I'm like, why, why you look down on women? Ah? <laughs> women cannot carry things. Ah. <laughs> you know? And of course that's again physical things. Uh, but in terms of mental qualities, uh, the point is, whether you're man or woman, if you have those qualities that are detrimental to the cultivation, then it's going to deter you. It's going to impede your practice. So it is similar to the to the phrase "da zhang fu xiang." Da zhang fu, zhang fu today is usually used to refer to the husband. Yeah, but zhang fu actually uh, one one meaning is man, but in the Buddhist context. Great man. But actually, what does it mean? It is referring to whoever can do what others cannot do. Whoever can endure what others cannot endure. Whoever can overcome the defilements that others cannot overcome. Whoever can attain enlightenment that others give up. Uh, such a person is Da Zhang Fu Xiang. So, but if we were to have the mindset, I'm born a female, or I'm born a male, so I am a man, I am a woman, that is still attachment. Mm, that's still attachment. Ultimately, when the text say that you transcend female form and take the male form, I interpret it this way, in the sense that male form has uh, physically lesser things to take care of. But in terms of cultivation, it is that when you cultivate to a certain point, then you are no longer attached to whether you are male or female. And that's why in the Guan Xin Pusa Pumenping, the Guan Xin Pusa's teaching on the universal Dharma Dolls, it says, Ying yi he shen da tu zi xian he shen er wei shou That depending on the the target audience, then the Bodhisattva would manifest the appropriate form to teach. If the if the if the, this person needs to see a Buddha in the in the great the male form with the thirty two marks and eighty minor marks, then he will appear in this way. If this person needs a motherly love to to learn Dharma then the Bodhisattva will appear as a mother. If this person needs a beautiful girl, then we'll practice. Uh, but this person will manifest as a beautiful girl. If you think that I'm joking, in one of the texts it says, I think it's Quan Sin Busa, there was one time he saw, and correctly we would refer to Quan Sin as he. But actually, he's beyond gender. Yeah? 
So there was one time he saw that there were, I don't know, three or four young men on a bridge. But that bridge was going to collapse. And if they die, it will interrupt their cultivation. So he wanted to save them. If he manifests as Buddha, toilet <laughs> huh? If he manifests as Sifu like that, then young men see Sifu. <laughs> yeah? As, as, uh, as, as I heard from someone, uh, the brother uh, converted to another religion, don't have to say which religion. Then uh, the brother used to go to a center. Then after that, the family asked the, asked the venerable, hey, how come like that? Then the monk said, how to fight? I have no hair, she has hair. <laughs> <laughs> So, sorry, I haven't finished the story. <laughs> so, Guan Xin Pusa, seeing the young man there, there's no time to convince them to come over. He manifested as a beautiful young lady on the safe side of the bridge. And then called to them, Hey, wow, immediately said, Wow, chong ha! The moment they reached over, the bridge collapsed. They turned around and saw the bridge collapse, turned back, he disappeared. So, when we look at those verses that says, ah, when you reach a certain stage, then you will transcend the female form. Actually, it's not just female form. It's male and female form, both transcended. Both transcended. We must know, you are not actually female. You are not male. But conventionally, now we are male and female. You think about it, with modern science now, if you, if, if female take some... Uh, estrogen pill is it testosterone this is a tongue twister for me testosterone if you take more of the testosterone thing you start to have beard you know and your voice may tweak you know then male if you start to take the what is that estrogen Uh, female is this easy to pronounce estrogen (laughs) who come out the the funny name testosterone yeah then you will change, you know. So, in recent years, I saw some articles in US. The the soya bean, right? Some of it has some, don't yeah. So when they when the male drink drink drink, then they whoop. <laughs> yeah. So it's not muscle; <laughs> it's the tissue. <laughs> so when you see this, hey, we are really not inherently male or female, you know. Yeah, given the a change in the conditions, then you know. Yeah, so. Ping then sing zi xiang ying wei. Yeah, so. Fa kong zi guo zhen xian qian shi. So when this wisdom arises, tong yu yi qie ru lai xiang xu. Yeah, so. This is uh, universal for all Buddhas. Yeah, of course, all Buddhas have attained this already. Yeah. Pusa uh, yeah, So when the Bodhisattva attain uh, this stage called Jiantao, seeing the path. Yeah, seeing the path. Yeah. So uh yeah, so the different stages. So this is one of the stages where he has seen the path or other, or in other words, actually seen emptiness. Yeah. At that point in time, here it says, 
when you have reached that stage, then he will have attained the emptiness of both. Yeah. So, uh, Bodhisattvas, of course, those who have reached this stage, uh, because Bodhisattva path is quite long, huh? yeah, some are still not at this stage. Okay. 即修道位中法空自果现前时 yeah, So, um, including those who are at the Siu道位, yeah, so at the different stages, at certain stages, when this wisdom arises, uh, then the mind has has this uh, has this quality. Yeah. And why is this quality? Then the mind is not attached to this world as substantial, as inherent. Yeah. Uh, you can see that all things are empty. Empty of what? Empty doesn't mean don't exist. Uh. Uh, empty means empty of any inherent nature. Hmm. So through this wisdom, at that point, no matter which stage they are, those stages where this wisdom can arise, then what happened? With this wisdom, yuan um, This word yuan is uh, very interesting. So yuan. So for example, now Sifu, look at this mark. Yeah. So we can say Sifu Yuan So Yuan is a bit like paying attention. Yeah. So with this as my object. Yeah. So with this as my object, then we call Yuan. Is there a single English word that can describe this? So sometimes for my translation, I just use uh, directs the mind to us uh, or pay attention to. Uh, but this is what it means. Yuan. Uh, but this same word have other meanings. Uh, also means condition. Uh, but here it means with this as the focus. Okay? Uh, so what is the focus in this case? When the wisdom um, uh, have this untaintedness, yeah. Wuko Yeah. So this uh, that means usually what do we see in this world? Uh, just now I mentioned uh, we see man, woman, uh, so much differences. Now with this wisdom you see the underlying nature. Yeah. Shravaka teaching says underlying nature is all things are impermanent. But we, we seldom see this. We only see the temporary appearance. Yeah, now this is to see the true nature of things. Yeah, and when you see the true nature of things, then what happens? Then the secondary wisdom, that, that uh, undiscriminating wisdom arises. Because when you see that, in fact, all have this underlying similarity. I correct myself, not similarity, identical nature, mm. all empty. Then, in the larger scheme of things, uh, there was one day I was, uh, a long time ago, before I ordained, I was at the, I think something like a beach. Then I was with a friend. Then, Nice evening. The sea. Psh, 
can imagine, ah, uh, and the stars. Then as I look up, and it's a girl. Back then, uh, then I look up. <laughs> then I said, I was thinking about what happened that day. Yeah, I was having some, uh, I think, issue at work. Then suddenly I look up. Then I think about it. I said, ah, you know, hundred years from now, none of this will matter. In a way, I, I didn't mean to say that none of this will matter. Then I look at her, then it suddenly dawned on me, oh yeah, it actually applies also. <laughs> none of this will matter. But we are affixed at the temporary you know, timeline. In the larger scheme of things, we are just a blip in the history of time. But we are attached to this temporary arising. And even our arising has been changing since day one. But we are attached to each role that we are, we are given. Each labor that is given to us, we are attached to. Good labors we are attached to. Bad labors we are attached to. Someone scores us stupid, we hold on to it for 30 years. <laughs> that's, why we, that's why we are still angry. If we don't hold on to it, after the moment he finished saying stupid, gone. But we, we have very good memory when it comes to stupid. <laughs> then we hold on to it. But in larger scheme of things, before they call us stupid, when they call us stupid, after they call us stupid, this, in this whole sequence, everything is still insubstantial, dependent arising and conditional in nature. Yeah, no, no inherent in nature. So if there's something to be upset, you should be upset over that fraction of time. But we are not. Yeah, We treat it as though it is still happening. Mm. So if, if for a person, when they cultivate to this point, then it's no longer just about the self or the ego, but with respect to all things. My uh, one senior monk, he said that uh, some other masters have described when they attain to emptiness, then it is like seeing the whole world just dissolving. Just dissolving. And some description is that initially there will be fear because you have not truly you know, eradicated attachment. So there's a fear that, wow, there's real world, then now the real world is dissolving. Yeah. But once you see that the real world is that the world is always dissolving. <laughs> but it's just that we perceive this world as static. Then you will not be so upset or afraid when it changes. Mm. Yeah, so this is the tainted mind. Yeah. Uh, so some students have asked me before, so how do we cultivate? Hmm. How do we cultivate with respect to this uh, tainted mind? So in the yoga Yogacara school, uh, number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven consciousness, and including the whole world, is manifested by our alaya consciousness. by our alaya consciousness. Um, so, the way to cultivate is 
through the process of planting seeds. Then you plant the wholesome seeds. You plant the purified seeds. How do you plant those seeds? Yeah. So you, as you come in contact with more wholesome dharma, then you are planting the, the wholesome seeds. Then you reflect the wholesome dharma, then you are planting new seeds. Then you, the moment you come in contact with, uh, through the eye, ears, nose, tongue, body and mind, uh, in touch with form, sound, smell, taste, touch and mental objects, you, you consider it through the Buddha Dharma. And this process has to become habitual. If you don't do this, if you do this, you are cultivators. If you don't do this, you are also cultivators. In what way? Every day when we interact with this world, we are cultivating also. It's just that we are cultivating the, the unwholesome habitual tendency. <laughs> yeah. We are cultivating our usual way of responding. Someone scold me, I scold you back. <laughs> then after this has happened for a while, before someone scold you, you scold first. <laughs> yeah. And in order to do that, before someone scold you, you have your internal argument first. Prepare yourself for the scolding, <laughs> and then start to. Uh, then the, the mind becomes more and more like that. Yeah. So instead of that, now we learn the Dharma, and then uh, now we plant new seeds. So the, it, initially, some people will experience, hey, Sufu, after a while, uh, I find that I'm a bit funny, Tsudun. <laughs> My reaction is a bit retarded. Like, how, how, how come? Uh? <laughs> no, don't worry, it's normal. <laughs> yeah. To others, it really feels like uh, this this person's after learning Dharma, like, you know, a bit short. <laughs> yeah. But after that, that initial period, it's actually a, a good period because um, it means you are overcoming the natural tendency to, to to fight back. And why is it that you have to fight back? Because you are you see this as real, that is real, the scolding is real, everything is real, so you want to fight back. Uh. But is it mm. um, workable if you tell yourself mentally uh. there is no self? Uh, if you keep on telling yourself... If you're reminding yourself when uh. there's argument, then you remind yourself, you know? Uh. So you, you don't you don't uh, respond mm-hmm. uh, So th- if you keep telling yourself no self no self no self, if you tell yourself loud enough in your mind, then you cannot hear the person saying anything. <laughs> uh, I, there was once I had this conversation in the car with uh, I think my mum. So I so she asked. So I don't, know, I don't know what we were talking about. We were along Geelang Road. So I told her, I said, well, consider whenever this person says something, you get frustrated. But who is frustrated? So another approach itself, that, so one way is maybe you can try, you all can try, just tell yourself, no self, no self, no self. Yeah, another approach is, where's the self? Where's the self? Uh, ask yourself, wh- 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 where's the self? What is the self that is getting scolded. Yeah. I w- I w- there's actually some different different levels of answers. Um, maybe you all can do this as an exercise. 
Uh, this in the Chinese Zen tradition is called a gong an, a koan. Yeah, so it's a question for you to reflect upon. Yeah, but in the Zen tradition, in a way, it's not the answer directly that is correct or wrong, but it's how you relate to that question. Yeah, but my approach is slightly different. So you all can think about this. When someone scolds you, who is getting scolded? Or you can change the question, what is getting scolded? Is it a ear? Is it a mind? Is it a heart? Is it this body? Who is get, what is getting scolded? Who is getting scolded? Amitabha. Yen Xiao San Zhang Zhu Fan Nao. 愿的智慧真明了。愿的智慧真明了。不愿罪障悉消除。不愿罪障悉消除。世事常行菩萨道。世事常行菩萨道。阿弥陀佛。齐力。